Welcome to Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, where we talk about the latest in financial literacy education. I'm Doretta Thompson, Financial Literacy Leader for Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada, where we provide no-cost programs and free online resources that help Canadians own their finances and learn the language of money. You can find our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Please do rate and review us. And if you have any questions, you can get in touch with us at financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. Today I'm speaking with Peter Waitzman, manager of Money Steps Financial Fitness by Day and YouTuber product reviewer Peter Von Panda by Night. Peter's passion is the side hustle, which he believes can be life-changing, especially for those struggling with low income and job insecurity. Welcome, Peter. Thanks so much for having me. It's exciting to be here. So tell me, before we get into the specifics of your experience, can you tell me something about the side hustle? Is that a rebranding of second income? Or is there something really special about the side hustle that makes it a little bit different? Yeah, no, it's pretty much rebranding. And one of the things that I say is that uh, depending on your generation, you know, moonlighting, second income, second job, those, all those things really kind of uh, speak to the same thing. I think the side hustle uh, nomenclature is just exciting because it's probably a bit more accurate. It's something on the side and you actually do have to hustle. One of the things that I talk about is that a lot of people are trying to crack the code on passive income, right? No work, lots of money, Instagram life, sitting on a beach, you know, feet up and just money coming in. And that is really just not how it works, right? And so in some ways we've gotten away from that uh, if you want more, you got to work more. You got to invest in you know the time that you have. A lot of us don't have other resources, especially when you talk about the vulnerable populations. So it's not the side lazy or the side passive. It is the side hustle, and so you do have to work. So I do like the fact that it's kind of shifted to that uh, term. So tell me a little bit about how you started your own side hustle. So I have been a side hustler forever, and I just didn't realize it. You know, even growing up. Um, I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people are looking for something to express themselves, some ways to do something outside of their uh, nine to five job. For me, it was even as a kid, you know, I remember folding paper airplanes and selling them on the street and, and things like this. You know, I've had a couple of entrepreneurial uh, opportunities too. So I started a couple of companies and those are really, really tough. And one of the things that I learned about that is that um, you know, when I would talk to people, they were like, oh, you're a serial entrepreneur, and that's not really true. I really didn't have a passion for starting a business per se. It was just trying to solve specific problems. And one of the things that um, is, a, is often a problem for a lot of populations is making more money or expressing yourself and having an outlet for certain things, right? And so you don't have to set up a corporation to do those types of things. You can do those things as a sole proprietor, as an independent worker, contractor, those types of things too, and get really all the same benefits, you know, regardless of the kind of the legal status. And so, uh, you know, I have valid cars. I, I mean, I can't even tell you how many things I've done before. I've valid cars. I worked as a virtual call center rep uh, in the evenings uh, from my home. I uh, sold insurance. I have, you know, um, detail cars. I mean, just the, the things that I have done are so numerous, I should probably go and list them out. But it's just kind of an interesting path that all of those have been, um, 
helpful in me kind of get my head around what are we trying to accomplish with side hustles? What are people generally trying to accomplish? And I think some of the reasons that people get into side hustles in the first place are not necessarily the reasons that they stay in them. And so, you know, kind of going through that journey and talking to other people and seeing the different things that are out there, I think are really, really interesting. And then I get to see the benefit, you know, in my day-to-day work to be able to um, convey those to people, work with people to help them understand what that looks like, get into it, see the impacts of it themselves, and then really pass that on forward. So it's really uh, quite viral in that sense. So what was kind of the light bulb moment for you that, that, that this was something that was actually a powerful tool? You know, the, the, I'm, I, it's a good question because I know the light bulb moment. The light bulb moment for me was, uh, and this is going to sound fairly mundane, is that at one point I was thinking about side hustles as being a minimum wage job, right? You're, you're spending your evening loading boxes. And I remember I was doing a lot of these things, and especially when you take on a side hustle, even if you're a professional in your day-to-day work, you are not usually going out and picking up five to eight, 10 hours a week of work that is high level, right? You're not getting comped usually very heavily for it. In fact, when I did the virtual call center rep, um, you know, I was making decent income in my day job, but I was making 850 an hour, U.S. Um, you know, doing this, doing that work, and I remember thinking, which was very close to minimum wage at the time, um, and I remember thinking, you know, if I could make more than minimum wage in a side hustle, I'd be really excited, because then I would say that, you know, it's not just me going out and getting a part-time job, loading boxes, or you know, um, flipping burgers or whatever, right? I am doing more than what I could do. And if I have that freedom component to do it when I wanted to do it, be my own boss, not have to report to someone, take time off, whatever, then I would really be in my happy place. And the uh, advantage of that is kind of when I was focused on that, when I hit it and I said, hey, I'm making more than minimum wage and I've got this freedom component, I was happy. That was kind of all I was really ever trying to target at the time. And it was a little freedom money, which is what I call it, you know, that discretionary money, you can go out, you know, how many times had I gone out to dinner and I was thinking like, oh, I shouldn't order that, that's 27 in entree, this is 36 in entree, I'll go with the 27 and I won't order, you know, a beer or whatever it might be. And then with that additional freedom money, you kind of get into that place where the, some of those littler numbers don't matter, right? And, and it's really freeing to be in a spot where you don't have to necessarily nitpick every expenditure, right? And that's really all I was trying to get to. And so once I got above minimum wage and I was bringing in a couple hundred dollars a month in additional freedom money, where now, you know, go out, see a move, do all some other things, even repair my car or something without being stressed about it, man, that was all I'd ever expected out of it, for sure. Freedom money, I freedom really money. like that. Yeah, uh, it just, it, it's, you know, one of the things I say, it's like is getting an allowance as a kid, right? I mean, that is all freedom money, right? You don't have any bills, you don't have, you know, utilities to pay, right? If you get $20 as an allowance as a kid, that's all your money to go out and spend and play with. And as adults, we have that too. We just call it discretionary income, right? Or, or cash flow or positive cash flow. And so we make these large income numbers, but most of it is spoken for. And so, you know, the, the reality is most people have very limited amounts of freedom money. When we talk about the low income populations, how much is there? often zero, sometimes negative, right? And so if you don't have any of that freedom money, how can you expect to have any freedom mentality, right? You're always in that scarcity mentality. And that's really what I talk about in The Power of the Side Hustle is that, you know, if you can get to break even or get a little bit, you know, as I was talking about, when I was at $100, $200 a month in additional income and that freedom money is a huge mindset shift. So that's really what I'm hoping for for most people is just to get them out of that kind of the getting by stage. 
So how do you help people find their side hustle? Does, do all of us have a kind of inner side hustle? So I have a big wheel and I just randomly spin it and then I sell them on it. <laughs> now, it, it, it's, 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 it's a hard process and that's why I think the, well, you know, I've been in financial services for a long time and that's one of the reasons I think as practitioners in this industry, it's really hard for us to do it. There's, there's a number of reasons. One, I don't think a lot of people, once you reach a certain place professionally, that you're you're really out there looking for your own side hustle, right? So it's hard to be um, a guide on it, as I say, or a leader or a mentor on it when you're not doing it yourself, right? And so in some ways, if you're an hourly worker and you drive an Uber uh, part-time, or if you are kind of starting out in your career and you work as a bartender part-time, so it, it's really hard to live by example if you don't have some of those yourself. And so that's one of the reasons, that's one reason, it's not the only reason, but it's one reason that I think that it's hard for practitioners sometimes in this arena, especially when you work for financial services companies uh, directly who have been fairly well capitalized, right? A lot of times, especially if you're licensed in the space, it's actually very hard to go out and get side hustles because of compliance and public appearance and all sorts of other things. Um, so it, it, it's, it, you can't speak from experience in a lot of cases. The other big component, and I think this is the bigger component, is that you asked a great question, is how do you help people connect to their side hustle? Um, there are a limitless types of people and there are limitless types of side hustles. And to take two huge nebulous populations and connect them is a really, really tough, um, tough chore. And so that's one of the things that I'll talk about today a little bit is some strategies on how to connect people because I don't think it's very easy, but with a couple of kind of screening tools, I think you can help people get there. Now, the other thing I will say is that the beauty of the side hustle is you don't necessarily have to get it right, right? And you don't have to get it right early. As, as I just mentioned, you know, I've been going through my side hustle journey for years and, and continue to look at other side hustles too. Um, you know, you're going to probably swing and miss at a bunch of these, right? They're just not gonna be the right fit, maybe it's timing, maybe it's the work, maybe it's your interest and times change, whatever. And that's the beauty of it, is that you can boot one side hustle and get into something else, right? And kind of find your own journey. You don't have to get it right right out of the gate, right? Perfection is the enemy of uh, progress. And so just, I would say, try some things and you'll learn a lot from it. You'll learn a lot about yourself and what's out there. And then you'll, you know, you'll be able to kind of find something, I think, and hone in on it. So, and then everyone finds their own footing in different ways. So what's the worst one you've ever had? Oh my gosh. You know, I've learned something from all of them. I, you know, I, I bring up that call center one because that was tough because um, it was 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. And so you had to put in an eight hour shift when you were doing it. And that's not actually unlike some other side hustles. So, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Instacart, what you actually have to do is you have to check in for a shift. It's a grocery shopping side hustle. It doesn't mean you'll be shopping for six hours, but you have to be available for those six hours. You're kind of on deck, right? You're like the firefighter of groceries. Um, and so that was a tough one because it was very regimented. And, uh, you know, and, and rewind a few years, uh, the gig economy was not as mature as it is now, right? Where you can do an hour or three hours or five hours, right? Companies had more, um, you know, you were either were a contractor directly or uh, an employee or whatever it might be. And so it was more rigid. Um, some of these require more training. They have more investment. And so that was just tough because uh, that's a tough shift. It's a tough shift to get up and be ready for your day job in the morning and be energized and, you know, not caffeinated, right? So that was, that was a tough one. 
And what was the best one, or what is the best one? Um, you know, I for me, I have found um, I think my footing with YouTube. Right, it's it's one of these things that I never expected it to go where it went. You know, over the years, it's really kind of um, in some ways just carried me along for the ride, and it really works well for my um, my creative needs, my desires for. Uh, time flexibility, um, you know, my income needs on that, it's, it's really um, exceeded my expectations. Now, it's not the right thing for everyone, you know, and so I do some things locally to my area where I call them new tubers, where people are kind of getting into YouTube, and, you know, we'll have some discussions, and I would say that the vast majority of people will try it and realize that it's not for them. You know, it, one, it takes a long time to get ramped up. Secondly, you really have to kind of want or uh, be ready for public attention. You gotta put yourself out there. That's not for everyone. You know, I, I do skew a little introvert, but I can force myself to be extroverted. Um, but some people just aren't that way. And, and that's, and I, it's not a bad thing. It's just I want people to not waste their time forcing themselves into something that's not sustainable, right? Because now if, if it becomes work, right, we already call everything else work because you have to force yourself sometimes to go there. So the, the beauty of the side hustle is this is your choice, right? You're volunteering to get into something. And so you might as well find something that you can um, really sink your teeth into and enjoy because at the end of the day, you're the only one forcing yourself to go there, right? And so if it's work, you're gonna lose that motivation, you're gonna lose that drive. So, um, you know, I, in some ways, I don't really care what you make, you know, or earn on it. What I'd encourage is, uh, find something that you enjoy and if you enjoy it then it doesn't matter if you're making four dollars an hour or four hundred dollars an hour right it's going to be um, it's going to be more sustainable so what are some of the most creative ones you've seen people come up with oh man <laughs> there are there are so many you know as I went down the rabbit hole of side hustles you know I always was kind of in the mindset of um, Uber, you know, that's the one that comes to my mind. I think a lot of people understand it, right? I trade my time for money. And the reality is, uh, I don't know that Uber would even be in the top of my list of side hustles I would recommend to people because one, it's, it's fairly saturated depending on where you live. You know, the, the supply and the demand is I think equally balanced in most cases. And it's really just, um, it's trading time for money and you have to put in effort. Um, so depending on where people are and what they want out of their side hustle, I think there are some that are just absolutely incredible. Um, now I would say that for the Canadian population, I'm not entirely sure, you know, what's available. Um, but in the U.S., there are, there, one of my favorites uh, right now, because the real estate market is pretty hot, is what's called a loan signing agent. And so um, I'll even talk about it with uh, our group today. But a loan signing agent is a third party that's required to be at house closings, contract closings, real estate-backed mortgage security or mortgage uh contract. So if you're getting a mortgage, you're refinancing, you're getting a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan, um, what they require is this third party. It's essentially a notary that's going to be there to observe the transaction and sign off on that. Everyone there had their proper ID, they signed the right forms, they signed to the right spot, and it pays about a hundred bucks for that, that third party role. So you're not even, you're not the mortgage broker on it, you're not the representative of the bank. Um, you know, you might have to answer questions like what is this uh, affidavit or whatever it might be, but uh, generally that is a pretty good way to spend your time. So it's really the Uber of real estate closings. Um, and from, so it's one of the, gentleman that uh, came to a side hustle thing uh, presentation of mine locally ended up becoming one and so we've kind of caught up about it you know one of the nice things about it is that especially if it's like a home equity loan or line of credit 
which can be like a 20 minute closing, they can be very short, you still get that $100. So, you know, you're, you get a, a much bigger pay factor than you would doing an Uber or an Instacart. Now, nothing against those, but I think those are already in like the vernacular for people. So I think those are the ones people think about kind of task type of side hustles, but there are just a ton of really, really awesome ones. And if you're really creative, you can build your own side hustle, right? If you are on social media and you have an outlet for marketing your own products, a friend of mine uh, launched her um, side hustle called Rustic Gray's uh, Candle Company, something like that. And she basically creates soy candles at home and then sells them on Etsy, I believe, right? And so this is her side hustle. And, and it's not something, she's not inventing a market space or anything, but she's also not contracting and relying on a second uh, or another company to kind of broker a product and market it for her. So she has to own it front to end, but uh, in that way she's totally in control of it in her future. So lots of just creative stuff. You can be very creative on the side hustle world. And, you know, try it. Try it out, and it's so easy and so inexpensive to start something up these days. You know, between a website and a Facebook page and stuff like that, you can get up and running with an idea by tomorrow, you know, and, and prove it out, right? Prove the concept. And it's very interesting about things like how quickly some of these opportunities get saturated. Um, I saw some uh, data recently that a percent of Uber drivers are on the street with nobody in them. Um, and it's one of those examples that they're now using as the cobra effect, mm. where you know exactly the opposite of what you wanted to do turns out because they, um, um, it actually, instead of taking cars off the road, it's actually put more cars on the road, mm -hmm. which is a kind of interesting, interesting phenomenon. Well, unintended consequences. I totally agree, and, and that's probably where I would encourage people to really think creatively and do a little work because I think the ones that pop to mind are often the ones that are already saturated, right? They're the ones that the real money has already been taken out of. Now, I'm not saying don't do them, right? Because you know, in Chicago, you can still drive a car, you can still make money with an Uber or Lyft or ride sharing, absolutely. And that's a great way to plug the gap financially for some people or to uh, bridge themselves between jobs or to put some extra money on the table. I, I, I don't dog that at all because I think it's, it's really noble and there's an awesome opportunity like that. Um, but I would say that you know, some of the ones out there that aren't creative are some of the most lucrative ones too. You know, babysitting apps, dog walking apps. I mean, you can put in less time, make more money, uh, and have flexibility with it. You know, I mean, you can make $100 in an evening babysitting, right? And you don't have to drive anywhere or put anywhere and tear in your car. Uh, and so some, in some ways, I think some of the old reliable has been overlooked as well. You know, some of the things that, you know, when I was growing up, oh, I, you know, I used to, uh, have this Honda lawnmower and I would just go to all my neighbors and charge $20 to mow their lawn growing up. And that was great, it was how I made some extra money and it was a lot of work, right, kept me in shape as a kid. But you know, you don't have to overthink it too. There's an app plows and mows. You, you could, there's a lot of ways that you can go out there and take some of these old school, high need, reliable um, you know, tasks and turn them into money in a way that's a lot easier than it was when you know, I was doing it as a kid, sending out, putting flyers in mailboxes and all that kind of stuff. That's a really interesting point, actually. Um, I know that for the period of time that, uh, that I lived in the suburbs, there were no kids that you could hire to cut your grass or, or uh, um, babysit. Or it, it be had become quite uh, 
a lot more challenging than it used to be. I mean, I remember when I was a kid too, like everybody did that. Everybody babysat, everybody, you know, you tried, you had a few regulars and, and uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, there was even a, a story about a, a, a young kid, and I think his, you know, I'll have the, I'll have the numbers completely wrong, but his father paid him like a nickel to take the garbage from the garage door down to the curb, you know, in the mornings once a week. And so what he learned is that now I could make a nickel taking a can from a gr the garage door down to the street curb. And so he went to all the neighbors and said, hey, on, these, on a garbage day, I'll bring everyone's can. You know, and so he's only making 50 cents or a buck a week, but it was just, I think it's, you're, you're starting to um, imprint that idea of how the market works, right? How you can leverage your time for money. What are the three most important things that someone's considering a side hustle? The one thing is that it's gonna be work, and it's gonna be work, especially at the beginning. And I think people sometimes underestimate that. You know, if you are an Uber driver and you have a thousand rides under your belt and you have a good rating and all that, right? That's a different place than someone who is starting out. Becoming an Uber driver now is not as easy as it used to be. Now you have to have a car inspection, you have to pass like a background check, I think some places require fingerprints, whatever it is. You're going to have to figure out how to keep your car clean, right? You're going to get over this hump. And so I think everyone kind of underestimates the idea of what it takes to get into something. You know, for, for me in my professional work, we work with a lot of people who are struggling financially. And one of the things that I've heard, and I've, I've said this before, is that you know I've had people that have been in tough places financially and I've said, hey, maybe you should think about extra income, right? You know, increasing that income pie. And a lot of the comments, I've, I've gotten this from multiple people, is, you know, if it really gets bad, I'll go stock shelves at Home Depot. And I'm always wondering, like, what is this Home Depot shelf stocking role that they can't fill. You know, I've never gone to Home Depot and been like, man, the, the shelves are just empty and if only they could find someone to, to stock the shelves. So I don't know that Home Depot is having a problem with that. So I think in some ways people are um, a little cavalier in what is available, what they think is available and how easy it will be to get there. And then the, to me, the other thing that I want people to realize is that I don't care if things are tough now or if they're okay right now, if you're thinking about a side hustle, guess what time is the best time to get working on it? It's now because, um, you know, and I can't speak specifically about here, but you know, for uh, the area in Chicago and the US, you know, the economy is very strong, right? People are spending money. I spend money on Grubhub to order food or uh, Instacart to have groceries shop. I don't think that exists forever, right? You know, the cycles of the economy are unpredictable. Uh, you know, they, they absolutely will cycle, right? We'll go from growth to recession at some point. Uh, markets will get tighter, money will get thinner, consumption will go down. And guess what happens, I think, at that point is that people that were thinking or on the fence about a side hustle will say, now I don't have a choice, I need a side hustle. But guess what happens at that point? Just like you mentioned about Uber, now you've got a flood of people out there trying to find places to make money. You've got fewer people spending money, and so now you have this perfect storm. The perfect storm of now when people are forced to go into it, it's too late, right? And so one of the, probably the second thing I would say is, um, I would experiment with it now, right? You don't necessarily need to dedicate a lot of time. I don't care if it's a couple hours a month. You know, most people will have that. If anyone turns on the TV, they've got a couple hours a month. So, you know, I would try something Get your feet wet on it, get some experience with it. If it takes off, great. If you have a few customers that really like your babysitting services or your lawn mowing services, great. Those are customers that will hopefully persist with you uh, when the markets turn. But if you're gonna wait, you know, if 
Uh, have you been watching this Popeye chicken sandwich debacle, right? This the Popeye chicken sandwiches are sold out everywhere. So everyone's going crazy for them, right? There's a black market for them. People are fighting and cutting in lines and all this other stuff. It could be the same thing on the side hustle world where, hey, I need to make minimum wage uh, to augment my income or I lost my job, right? You don't want to be in the position where you are fighting a million other people to do that. Uh, my first job out of college. I got laid off in the dot-com crisis of 2002, I guess. And guess what? It was really hard to find a job at that point because there were millions of other people just in my metropolitan area also looking for jobs that were very similar <laughs> to the work I was doing, right? And so uh, guess what? It, dri it drives prices down because uh, the supply is so high. You don't want to be in that spot. So, you know, that's why you don't know what's going to last too, so you want to get out there, try it, uh, get your foot in the door now. It's going to be a lot easier than trying to figure it out later. And the last thing I would say too is um, be very aware, and this is always a tough one, self-awareness is always a tough one, uh, of what you're trying to accomplish with it. I think that there is a problem with um, people thinking of outcomes that maybe are unrealistic, right? The sitting on the beach Instagramming your life and making millions of dollars as an Instagrammer, I think are generally behind us. Um, so, and if you're not doing it now, I, you know, I'm not saying anything's impossible, but I think it's gonna be really tough, right? There are only so many Kylie Jenners of the world and uh, those types of things. So what I think is take a look at what your needs are and if it's to plug an income gap or to start getting ahead or start putting a couple bucks into a retirement account or start investing or whatever it is, right? What is the need that you're trying to fill and you know what kind of side hustle can help you get there realistically? I would not recommend YouTube for someone who's trying to fill an income gap right now or even in the next few months or six months or one year to be really honest. I just don't think it's gonna generate income relative to the amount of effort you put in in a short amount of time or even a short-ish amount of time. But you can do that with babysitting this weekend, right? You can go out and babysit all Saturday night and bring in a hundred bucks and that's gonna help next week. There are apps that you can download right now, get registered, start doing work and get paid tomorrow, right? So there are a number of things. I mean, and so you just wanna marry up what you need with the side hustles that will get you there. It's a little oversimplification, but um, I think people have pie in the sky sometimes, right? I'm gonna start a business, I'm gonna be a real estate investor, whatever it might be. Those things are very, very different types of side hustles than I think most people need. Mm. Well, thank you very much for that. Something that we ask everybody who stops by to visit, it's a lot of people who get involved in the financial literacy world, the financial capability world, trying to help others have, have a reason that they got there. And often a story of, bad financial decisions that they have made in the past and what they learned from it. Um, do you have any stories you'd like to share? Well, uh, you know, yes, let's take the next few hours and share the stories I've learned. You know, I think one of the stories that I learned is that, you, you know, life is not a motivational poster, right? I, I think that there are a lot of things that we just kind of throw out there as absolutes and if you do them, you do X, Y will happen. And life is, to me, what I say, it's, it's, it's kind of ground out in the middle. You know, for a lot of us, you're not going to, you're not going to go to um, a presentation by a billionaire and become a billionaire, right? There's a lot of us that are middle class, be happy with it, right? This is kind of where most people are going to end up. And I think that it's overlooked sometimes what seems very mundane, right? And the side hustle is in many ways super mundane because it's saying, hey, um, yes, you know, 
as a professional, I've worked with people on how do you get ahead in your career, right? You know, prepare yourself for the next job, do constant education, training, take on key projects, whatever it might be. And those are all great. I love them, right? But there are also no guarantee that you're going to rise to C-suite level executive or make a lot of money and, and those types of things. And, I, and, and to be really honest, I think what is uh, undersold is the reality that most people don't want that, right? Most people want this work-life balance. This is very hot right now, right, of having a life, having a job where you're in flow, you know, kind of having the life you want, which means not necessarily um, overdoing it in any one thing. And um, I think the side hustle allows you to flex to that. It allows you to kind of find your comfortable space and maybe uh, take up that free time, you know, if you have it, to the point where, hey, you know, I'm making some money, I'm not overextending myself, those types of things. And so you can be very happy in the middle. And that's what I tell people is that that doesn't necessarily mean not be ambitious, right? Or try to get the next promotion or jump jobs, you know, for, for that promotion or opportunity. But I think that there is often, um, and I think a lot of us, you know, in the personal development space, you know, it, it's, it, we try to cultivate this um, space of want and desire, and that's not unhealthy, but it becomes unhealthy when that's, it's always on the horizon, when it's always beyond your reach, right? And that people don't focus on the here and now enough. And so what I want is people to take the time to enjoy themselves, uh, not defer a lot of things. You know, even today I'm going to talk a little bit about regret because I think what we do, we have is a lot of pause or delay, like in life, because of finances, because of lifetiming, whatever it is. Uh, and so what, what ends up happening is that it ends up catching up with us in a lot of ways that people say, geez, I wish I had done this. I wish I had visited that friend. I wish I had taken that extra meal. I wish I'd, you know, taken the extra day off and spent the holidays or hopefully avoid those regrets later in life. That's really what, what I'm talking about is really um, be present to, you know, uh, like I said, ambitious, but, but also present. There's a balance there. This has been another episode of Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, brought to you by Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our email is financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. You can subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Mm -hmm.